Hey, what's up, nerds? Jake Steele here. Thank you so much for joining me once again this week. And uh, thank you guys. Thank you all for your patience over the last couple of weeks. Um, I didn't record a podcast last week or the week before. Uh, Thanks to everybody that sent me a message. I got uh, just countless direct messages and emails and things like that asking, um, well, kind of an eye-opener. A lot of people messaging to ask basically kind of what gives. So, uh, yeah, it kind of gives me a little perspective about um, how many people actually listen to this podcast. So that was very uh, nice and humbling. Uh, Quite a few people also reached out to ask if everything was okay, things like that. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Uh, It was, like I said, sort of an eye-opener, all of the messages. uh, It just kind of made me realize how many people uh, tune in. So thank you very much. Uh, On that subject, I opened the app to record this podcast for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, Looked at the logistics. I... It's not a huge thing to me, but I glance at it every once in a while. So to give you guys some perspective, almost 20,000 downloads in the last, uh, since I checked the last time. So two weeks, uh, 20,000 downloads on this uh, podcast over uh, various podcast episodes. So thank you all very much uh, for tuning in, telling your friends and family, doing all that good stuff. Uh, It's very helpful. And uh, we have a great platform here. And on that subject, today I'm going to read a a quick little story out of uh, Dale Matthews' book, but I do want to get back to reading your guys' stuff. So I've got a couple of articles uh, sort of on the back burner that I'll probably finish up and publish and uh, record as podcast episodes over the next uh, few weeks. But uh, in the meantime, I'm completely out of reader and listener uh, stories, so that is my favorite thing to do here on this podcast is tell your guys' stories. And I get probably three or four messages, sometimes more, uh, a week from people saying, Hey, I've got a story. Uh, I'm going to get it to you. Uh, and then I never receive it. Or I get people, uh, just as many people say they would like to write a story, but they don't know if it's going to be any good. Uh, they're self-conscious about that. Should they even do it? You know, it might not be that great of a story, LOLZ. Uh, look, it doesn't matter. Sit down, punch it out, send it in. Um, that's kind of the fun of it. It doesn't have to be an earth-shatteringly uh, huge, important story. Just needs to be old car-related and important to you in some way. Like I said, we have a great platform here. Thousands and thousands of listeners and... Uh, Everybody really enjoys listening to your guys' stories. So don't be shy. Send them in. My email, once again, is jake at ironandsteel.com. If you include photos, of course, I will also uh, publish it on the website uh, as a traditional article. And the website, I don't know how many hits the website gets a month, but it's thousands and thousands as well. So yeah, um, if you have a story that you want to have told, Get it to me and I'll tell it. Jake at ironandsteel.com. So let's keep that going. Make sure you're subscribed on the uh, website. Make sure you have post alerts on on Instagram. Uh, Instagram's kind of a shit show right now. I've got a ton of followers, but uh, very, very few 
uh, I guess by a percentage, a very small engagement, I guess, which is a problem that a lot of people, it's not just me, uh, a lot of people are noticing, you know, a lot of people complaining about the algorithm and how things are set up. I am not a tech guy. I have no actual clue <laughs> what the deal is. But uh, yeah, when you have that many followers and uh, just a few couple, you know, two, three, four hundred people engage with the photos that you post or the videos that you post, uh, something's off. So and this isn't a from a personal standpoint, it's, this isn't like I don't care about that necessarily. Uh, for my own happiness. It's just that if I'm trying to grow this podcast, grow this uh, whole thing and tell your guys' stories, um, it's a little defeating when people just aren't seeing the posts and things like that. So uh, the point is turn on post notifications so that you can see anytime when I post uh, that there's new content. Uh, same thing with the website. Just punch in your email address. There's a little thing on there that'll pop up. I think it's a little bribe that offers you 20% off uh, anything that you purchase at the uh, or on the website if you sign up for the newsletter. The purpose of that is I just send you an email a week to let you know that there's fresh content, a new article, and a fresh podcast. So, all right, enough housekeeping. Let's get down to it. I have a lot of uh, questions. Q&A questions, topics, things like that, uh, that we'll get to. I'll probably do 10, 15, maybe somewhere in there, a dozen. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, first, let me read you a little story. Once again, uh, a great story. Well, I don't know that it's great. I'm going to pick it at random. But I know that it will be great because it's in this book called Every Deal's Different uh, by Dale Matthews. I've read, uh, if you're a listener to this podcast, loyal listener to this podcast, you'll remember that name. I've read quite a few stories out of his book. Uh, Dale Matthews is a friend of mine, uh, classic car dealer, just a neat old guy. Been around for uh, approximately 1,200 years. Super nice guy. Um, buys and sells cars like crazy. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's probably in his 80s, I would guess. And he's just one of those older guys that can run circles around, you know, dudes half his age. And he's always getting into something, buying and selling. And he's always got a story to tell. And a few years ago, uh, he sat down and wrote a book. And uh, there's just a whole gaggle. Gaggle? Yeah. Gaggle. A whole gaggle of uh, fantastic stories. I'm going to pick one at random, read it to you. And uh, then we'll do some Q&A. So kick back and relax. Once again, the book is called Every Deal's Different, The Dale Matthews Story. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, so, oh, I forgot to kind of set the scene here. So this week I'm recording down here in my shop clunker bunker i am surrounded by a whole bunch of cars they're all broken <laughs> uh that's another thing i've been dealing with over the last couple of weeks seems like every single car that i have is broken in some way so uh let's see i've got a 40 willies uh i've got my black uh, 32 coupe here uh the other 32 uh coupe the chopped one with the hemi in it and then the phaeton so 
Uh, I guess I take that back. The, the Willy's is not actually broken per se. I just haven't started it or dealt with it at all for more than a year. I didn't take it to this, uh, I didn't race it at all this year. I didn't take it even to our event a month or two ago. So it's been sitting, it likely would just fire right up and run fine, but uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, black 32, uh, fendered car, what's wrong with it? Oh, kingpins, the kingpins are absolutely annihilated. And I mean like, bad. So I know it's not gonna just need kingpins. It's probably, I'm gonna have to pull the, pull the whole front end out. Axle's probably gonna need some attention you know, new bushings and all, all that shit to make it happy again. So that's that car, not really drivable. Uh, 32, the Hemi car, I could drive it, I guess, but uh, oddly enough, also a kingpin issue. The uh, little retainer nut that uh, slides through and holds the kingpin in place, somehow I busted. They have like a big... Um, the bolt goes through, the pin goes through, and then it's got like a big, almost looks like a lug nut, like a real tall nut uh, that you, you know, use to tighten it up. Anyway, somehow that broke uh, during some shenanigan I was involved with. Uh, and then the Phaeton, which coincidentally I bought from Dale Matthews a couple of years ago, whose story I'm about to read to you. But uh, anyway, that car is also broken. Um, it started running rough. A while back, I kind of shit canned it stuffed it in the corner forgot about it for a while um went through the distributor put it all back together it ran awesome actually robbie went through the distributor for me said everything just perfect uh ran better than it ever had in its entire life with me and uh yeah then i was all riding high about that and uh long story short uh i think it blew a head gasket Although, so anyway, I'm still dealing with that. So that's not really drivable. Uh, pretty much uh, every car I own is broken except for my Maroon 36.5 window, which coincidentally has a small block Chevy in it. So uh, yeah, so anyway, that's, uh, that's what I have to say about that. Sorry, Flathead fanboys. <laughs> All right. Let's get to Dale Matthews' story here. Again, the book is called Every Deal's Different. It's a collection of uh, stories that Dale's written uh, about experiences that he's had over the years. I'm just going to go through, pick one at random. Some of these stories are longer than others. Some are really pretty short. Some are uh, longer. So whatever we land on, that's going to dictate how many questions we get to in the Q&A type of deal. All right. Here we go. We have, oh God, it's gonna be about a Mustang, isn't it? <laughs> Just my luck. It's called The Pony in Pendleton. Uh, I do kind of remember this story. Okay, that's all right. Dale's a great storyteller. I don't mind if it's about a Mustang. <laughs> Very much. Uh, to give you some idea, those of you that are not familiar, Pendleton. Um, if you don't know where Pendleton is or what it's all about, uh, so picture the flaming dumpster fire that is Portland, Oregon. Um, about three, I would say three hours, maybe 
three and a half hours east of Portland. It's kind of a smallish um, cowboy town, really, is what it is. Um, it's famous for a rodeo called the Pendleton Roundup, uh, which is insane, by the way. Even if you're not into that type of thing, uh, it is an absolute spectacle. It's basically like a just a week-long rodeo celebration that's like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's crazy. I, I'm positive Dale's going to get into that in the story. He'll, I'm sure, be able to uh, describe it better than I. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, not this year, but the year before and the year before that, Hot Rodorama uh, started billing their comeback as, uh, you know, the the revival of Hot Rodorama or whatever. Uh they started pitching that and it was actually in Pendleton. Uh, again, they didn't do it this year, but they did it the year before and the year before that. I don't think it's coming back. I don't know why. I don't know anybody involved in that personally, but, uh, yeah, I will say it was a ton of fun. The town is just cute as hell. It's just an old Western town, uh, super bitchin'. I thought the show was awesome. Although, it was like 110 one year and like 115 the other year. So kind of awkward uh, timing maybe with um, the weekend that they chose to actually hold the event just because it was so hot. It was just in the absolute dead of summer. And I think that affected the show a little bit. But um, one way, I'm rambling, but one way or the other, it doesn't sound like it's coming back. They didn't have it this year, but uh, the two years that they did do it was awesome. I think I actually wrote a story about it um, after last year's event. It's on the website, ironandsteel.com. Probably two or three pages back, and uh, I forget what it's called. Okay. Uh, anyway, so to give you a little perspective, uh, Pendleton's a cowboy town, 300, 200 miles, I don't know, something like that, several hours east of Portland. And uh, anyway, Dale's story is called The Pony in Pendleton. It goes like this. Everyone in Portland, Oregon knows that if you want to see the wild, wild west, you need to go east of here. Cowboys and chuck wagons and bucking broncos, they're all here in Oregon. It's just that they're 200 miles east of Portland. The normal population of Pendleton is 16,354. But in September, every cowpoke worth his denim, every cowpoke worth his denim heads to this spot in northeastern Oregon for the Super Bowl of all things Wild West, the Pendleton Roundup. It is Sturgis on horseback. Instead of Harleys, it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid go to Mardi Gras, the ultimate rodeo festival. When this annual event happens, the population of Pendleton swells to over 60,000 people overnight. That's a great, uh, that is a great description of the Pendleton Roundup. Uh, when they first 
Pollard Letterbuck back in 1910. There were only 200 cars in the entire state of Oregon. There is an intriguing series of tunnels under the downtown section of Pendleton. You can take the underground tour. And Jimmy Doolittle's Raiders trained at the Pendleton Airport in World War II. But when my friend Dale Withers called me in 1979 and said, you need to get to Pendleton, I knew that he wasn't there for the history or for the roundup. But he had spotted a pony. I saw this Mustang in the McDonald's parking lot, he said. I pulled in for a closer look, and I'm telling you, Matthews, the gas tank on that Mustang is so shiny. <clears throat> the gas tank on that Mustang is so shiny. The galvanized metal just showing right through that tank's <laughs> either just either that tank has just been put on that car or it's a real low mileage original 1967 automobile now how many people would notice such a detail only those like myself with the inflamed passion for anything old that's new only guys whose two favorite words are low mileage and a lot of those classic mustangs were beat to death by owners who thought they were carol shelby <laughs> dale gave me the license plate number and i took it from there i found horn street in pendleton and there was the mustang I met Rulin Smith. He explained that when he had retired from his job as a bank president, he was interested in spending the rest of his days on the golf course. His plan, his plan was working all right, except that his wife wasn't fond of spending her days alone at home. So Rulin bought Marjorie a brand new Mustang and turned her loose with it and a driving instructor. Marjorie was in her 60s and had never learned to drive. When she did venture out of her out on her own, she did not go very far. The white Mustang was pampered having its parking spot right next to the Smith's furnace in a dry, salt-free environment in Pendleton. The gas tank had not lied. This car had 3,800 miles. Wow. So, I did what anybody would have done if they were Dale Matthews. I hopped around the car and praised it, and I told them how I had heard about it and how much I wanted it. <clears throat> the Mustang hadn't been out much, and 
I knew I was the first person who had showed any interest in it. I left with Rulin saying, if we ever want to sell it, we'll call you. <clears throat> well, within two years, Rulin had sunk his last putt. And Marjorie was pretty much on her own with her little dog, Sweetie. And of course, the Mustang. For the next 10 years, well, for the next 10 years, I would go to Pendleton anytime I found myself east of the Cascade Mountains. At least once, I took the eight hour road trip just to check just to check in on Marjorie and her little gray poodle mix companion. I'd call ahead and I'd say, Marjorie, I'm coming to see my car. In the late 1980s, as Marjorie herself was getting older, she said that she wanted to give the car to me. And six months later, she said she wanted to give the car to her caretaker. I bolted and again did the eight-hour commute to Pendleton on Thanksgiving Day. There was only one thing that really mattered to Marjorie, and it was not the Mustang. As she sat in her living room with Sweetie on her lap, it was clear that all her worries centered around that pup. She wondered what was going to happen to her little dog since the caretaker drew the line at caring for four-legged animals. Doesn't sound like anybody I would want to associate with, but all right. Don't you worry, I told her. If I end up buying this car from you, I will make sure Sweetie has a good home. I don't know if the caretaker ever realized that the only thing standing between her and a classic low mileage Ford Mustang was a few bags of kibble <laughs> uh, deal. Uh, was a few bags of kibble and some dog biscuits. The promise of Sweetie's care was more than anyone else was willing to do for Marjorie. And six months later, I received a letter from a lawyer stating that he had Marjorie Smith's power of attorney and, quote, was I still interested in buying the Mustang? I immediately called and said, you bet I want that car. My friend Ralph Skinner, my wife Karen, and I drove to Pendleton to meet the attorney and get the keys and the pink slip out of the hand out of his hands and into mine. I told him that we wanted to see Marjorie one more time. Now she was in a care center, flat on her back, and very, very weak. I have never been told by anybody to have a nice life. <laughs> Unless they were being sarcastic and were trying to get rid of me. But Marjorie 
seeing me and trusting that I would keep my word to her and sweetie, said, very sincerely, quote, you kids have a nice life. Within one month, Marjorie Smith died. Ralph became the owner of a gray poodle mix dog. And the 1967 white Mustang coupe with 5,300 original miles was in my garage. And an update, Sweetie lived a good life achieving the advanced age for a poodle mix of 17 years. Uh, I had always made it clear to Marjorie that if I got the Mustang for free, I would keep it for the rest of my life. But if I had to pay for it, the car was going to have to be a piece of my rolling stock of merchandise. What if Rulin had bought something else? for his wife to drive. What if Marjorie had been a driving enthusiast and had crossed the country in it? What if the caretaker had liked dogs? And what if Dale Withers hadn't taken a second look at the gas tank hanging down from the rear end of a car parked at a McDonald's. Life is full of what-ifs. Alright guys, there you have it. The Pony in Pendleton. Uh, once again, another great story from my friend Dale Matthews, uh, straight out of his book, Every Deal's Different, the Dale Matthews story. And uh, I sincerely hope that he finds the time to sit down and write another book. The dozen or couple dozen stories that are in this book are all great, but I know that they don't even come close to scratching the surface. Uh, when it comes to the amount of stories funny, interesting stories that uh, he must have um, just from a lifetime of buying and selling classic cars. So anyway, I was over at his, I was at his business a few weeks ago and I was talking to his son and I said, uh, Greg, you've really got to get your dad to sit down and write another book. And uh, he agrees. I think part of the problem is I think it's hard to get Dale Matthews to sit down at all. <laughs> He's always just sort of on the go, always doing something. He never slows down. So, you know, I think there's going to be need to be some level of handholding or restraining to get him to. <laughs> I don't know how they got the first one done, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it, it would be it would be amazing if he would sit down and write another book and. Uh, I'm sure he probably will. Hopefully he will, because uh, he's got so many great stories, and uh, I would love to share even more of them with you guys here. So if anybody listening knows Dale Matthews personally, uh, next time you see him, grab him, pull him aside, and encourage him to sit down and uh, write another book. And if he hears it enough times, 
who knows all right so that was that um let's jump into some q a like i said i've got oh geez i don't know i don't know how many questions comments topics i have but uh i've got i think 10 or 12 set aside here so let's get through those see where we land and uh probably call it good and move on until next week uh, on that subject, if you have questions, comments, topics of your own that you want to address here on this podcast, send them through jake at uh, ironandsteel.com or send me a direct message on Instagram, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. Here we go. All right. First question Did the blue 36 Ford ever get its interior? <laughs> I've had quite a few people ask me that question. No, uh, it is being worked on, I presume. Um, it's being worked on now. It's still there in his defense. Uh, the person doing the interior is a friend of mine. Great guy in his defense. I dropped it off. Um, basically unannounced. I showed up with it on a trailer, uh, and basically just said, Hey, what do you think? And he's like, drop it off and I'll get to it when I can. Well, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a year whatever. Uh, but it's not his fault, and uh, I just stopped by a few days ago, and before I even could say hello as when I walked through the door, he was like, hey, I'm glad you came in, because I'm about to push your car in, get going on it, and I had a question about this, and so, anyway, it's being worked on. The good news is, uh, he's extremely fast once he does uh, get on it, it won't be long, and uh, even better than that, he's really, really really fucking good so i'm not stressing about it uh it's still there it's been there a long time i don't care i'm not uh missing the car necessarily i barely have a place to put it my shop's such a mess anyway so uh did the blue car get its interior almost (laughs) stay tuned uh will you be making it to gnrs i have no idea i'll probably go i don't know that i'll take a car just because I don't really know what I would take. Uh, I'm not hugely concerned with showing cars. Um, but uh, I'll probably go and, and check it out. If anything, uh, we've kind of been toying with the idea of uh, maybe just driving in, parking outside, doing like the little outdoor car show thing. Uh, never done that before. Seems like it'd be a lot of fun. So I'll probably be there. I don't know if I'll have a car. Next question is, what do you think is a greater threat to our hobby potential governmental policies or lack of interest in the hobby in general? Um, With, well, at least in my opinion, without a doubt, the lack of interest in the hobby in general. Um, I want to be wrong about this, but uh, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of younger people you know, interested in it. I don't want to run around in in a panic and say that the sky's falling and everything's falling apart and the hobby's going to dissolve. But uh, it seems to me at least that it's maybe slowing down a little bit. Then again, I talk to old timers quite a bit. And anytime I mention something like that, they kind of go, yeah, we've been saying that since the 70s. So take that for what it's worth. And uh, I guess that's true. So, you know, is our governmental policies, is the government going to intervene and say, 
your carbon footprints do big i fuck i don't know i have no idea i think that the bigger threat to the hobby is the uh seemingly waning interest i guess uh in general that's my opinion next question how is it pumping your own gas up there now <laughs> so for those of you that don't know oregon uh was a <clears throat> full serve state forever so meaning you would pull into the gas station someone pumps the gas for you right uh they just recently apparently changed that to um you can pump your own gas like you know, big deal um to be honest with you it's really nice and convenient to have somebody else <laughs> pump your gas so uh you know that being said anytime i'm in an old car i pump my own gas anyway just because so uh it's not changed my life even a little bit so i don't know how to not sure what to tell you there uh if next question if you had to pick between hot rods and customs what are you choosing i get this question like every week <laughs> and probably my answer changes every week too so i don't know i, I would probably say hot rods um I don't know. I guess it depends on it depends on how you define a custom, how you define a hot rod, whatever. But uh, as beautiful and elegant and all that good stuff and pleasing to the eye as a uh, Art Deco era flowing, gorgeous custom is, uh, as appealing as that is, I do like the good rumble of a loud V8 you know, going fast and doing burnouts and all that stuff. So if somebody pinned me down and made me choose one or the other, I guess it would be uh, hot rods. Uh, next question. When building, when building a car, do you keep a tally of money invested? Oh my God, are you sick? When building a car, do you keep a tally of money invested? Are you a receipt keeper? No, absolutely not. I am a habitual receipt thrower aware. I want to forget about the whole experience as soon as, as soon as possible. Uh, when building a car, do I keep a tally of the money invested? Not, yes, but not, not really. I mean, I have a pretty good idea of how much money I'm in each car, uh, but I don't like write that stuff down or keep serious you know track of it for any reason it just kind of is what it is uh you know my keeping receipts for things like you know if i go buy a brand new whatever do i keep the receipt for a year in case it fails or something you know yeah probably but no i'm not a i'm not a organized enough person in general to like give a shit about keeping track of things like that so yeah no, not at all. Uh, next question is, it just says, car you've sold that you've regretted the most. Also been asked that question before. I feel like more than once. Um, without a doubt, the answer to that question is the, as silly as it sounds, the green Model A coupe called The Business that I built in like 2011 or 2012. Uh, or maybe earlier, 2009 or 10, I guess. Maybe it was done. <clears throat> uh, 
If you're not familiar with it, 31 coupe, dropped five inches. High boy, kind of sat high just in general. Bigs and Littles, uh, hot banger motor, 32 grill shell, full hood, kind of a green, like a light kind of greenish, unique kind of green color. And then all the belt lines and uh, all the trim around the windows and everything were uh, painted a like a highlight color, like a grayish brown. Hard to describe, but a really striking car. And uh, loved it for that reason. Loved it just in general because it was an, an awesome car, really. There's no way around it. I just, that car to me uh, also represented a lot. Uh, it was the first car, really, that I built that I saw all the way through. I didn't build every or you know do every single thing on it you know I didn't chop it myself but or paint it myself but it was the first car that I saw through all the way to completion and ended up at the end result that I had started out wanting so a lot of good times and bad times in that car I was a lot younger then Uh, did a lot of really stupid shit um had some bad times, but had a lot of really, really good times in that car. And uh, yeah, sort of that like first love scenario with it. Uh, so yeah, that's the car that I regret selling the most. I sold it, I think in 2011 or so, <clears throat> maybe 11 or 12, probably 11, uh, when I bought my Willys pickup. Uh, you know, back then, like I said, way younger, uh, not nearly as established. Uh, so if I wanted something else, I had to give something up. So in order to get this Willie's truck and to build it and go racing and do the thing that I wanted to do next and the thing that I wanted to do in the moment, uh, I regrettably sold that car and, uh, it's changed hands a whole bunch of times. You know, I've talked about it before on this podcast. It's probably not a surprise to anybody that's ever listened to this. Uh, podcast in the past because uh, I bring it up pretty often I wrote an article about it it's on the website uh, I've tried to buy it back several times the guy that has it now doesn't want to sell it it's fine it's his car he can do whatever he wants but uh, yeah that is without a doubt the car that uh, I regret selling the most so thank you for bringing up that painful memory Uh, Is there anything else you're as passionate about as you are cars? I don't think so. Uh, Again, like I've mentioned before, the only other passion or hobby that I have uh, is kind of just weird shit like unsolved crime, um, unsolved mysteries of any kind, you know, ghosts, monsters, UFOs, all that goofy kind of kitschy stuff that's what I grew up being really interested in and uh, I still am Uh, that's really the only other hobby that I have I don't play golf I don't do (laughs) I don't watch sports you know everybody's like I guess like setting up their fantasy football teams and shit right now like that to me like you might as well be speaking Japanese I have no fucking idea what you're saying when you're talking about that stuff so yeah cars that's pretty much it. Uh, let's see. Bum, 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 bum. <clears throat> I thought this was kind of interesting. Just a couple more and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, it says, in the story, 
the most expensive bumpers ever, which is a story that I wrote and published a few months ago. It's about this black 32, the Fender 32 three window that I'm standing next to right now. But in the story, the most expensive bumpers ever, you mentioned that your friend who I gathered is wealthy from listening to the story, quote, likes to see his friends win too. That's, that is what I said about my friend Mark. Uh, likes to see his friends win too. Um, do you think that that is the norm in this hobby? It seems like all the old guys I know around here are grouchy old hoarders that wouldn't give you a lug nut out of their junk drawer to get you home. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think that people like my friend Mark are certainly the exception, uh, but there are a lot of, you know, helpful, nice, generous people in this hobby. Probably, uh, as far as hobbies go, and again, I guess I, I don't know because I'm not deeply involved in any other hobbies, but uh, I have been around the general public <laughs> before, much to my chagrin. Uh, and I've noticed that it seems that there is a large sort of percentage of very good, generous, and well-intending people involved in the old car and hot rod community. Just as a blanket statement. That said, uh, I've met a lot of dick bags too along the way. Uh, there are just as many crotchety old dicks that... Uh, don't give a shit about anything that you have to say and um, your stuff's junk and their stuff's gold I mean there's still plenty of those guys out there sounds like uh, you've run into plenty of them yourself but uh, in general I think that this hobby has a huge percentage of uh, very well-meaning good-hearted people so there you go uh, next question. Let's just do a couple more. Have you ever considered writing a book? Uh, no, not car related at least. Uh, next question. What is your opinion on overhead valve banger motor? Uh, what is your opinion on overhead valve banger motors? Cost versus performance. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Cost versus performance. Um, yeah. So look. Don't get me wrong. How can I put this? <laughs> You'll never spend so much money to go so slow. Okay. That's just the reality of it. Uh, banger guys are a unique breed. I like a little bit of everything. I can get into bangers, overhead stuff. I've had overhead bangers in the past. They're fucking killer. Don't get me wrong. They sound amazing. There's nothing that sounds like one of those. Uh, but yeah, you're never going to spend so much money uh, for such lackluster results. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still a banger motor. I mean, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? You can dump 15 grand into a banger motor, right? The, the best it's ever going to be, the fastest thing it can ever be, and still, you know, your mother-in-law's Kia is going to eat it for breakfast, right? So, it's not about the performance, it's the cool factor, it's the whatever... Uh, in the world of bangers and banger speed and banger performance, overhead valve is obviously the top of the heap, and uh, they're cool as shit, but you're not going to be going very fast. So, yeah. 
cost versus performance. <laughs> That's pretty funny. They cost a lot and they don't perform. All right. Okay. There's a bunch more. Let's just call it. We're, uh, yeah. Now's as good a time as any. So, uh, once again, thank you very much for listening. You guys, please send in your stories. Email them to me, jake at ironandsteel.com. Uh, the story I wrote or read you, I should uh, say, uh, the story that I read you today is a great example. Just a quick, cute little story uh, about a neat car and a fun experience. Um, nothing earth shattering, right? So uh, don't overthink it. Just sit down, punch it out. If it's an old car story important to you in any way, sit down, type it out, email it to me, jake at ironandsteel.com. Same with the questions, comments, topics for the Q&A. Keep them coming. I've got a whole bunch uh, yet to get to, but uh, don't be shy. Send them through. Uh, I'll get to everyone that I uh, that I receive. So yeah, get them in, jake at ironandsteel.com. Tell your friends and family, like and subscribe. Uh, seriously, please make sure you're subscribed on the website. It is immensely helpful. So just go there, punch in your email. It just takes two seconds. Not a big deal. All right. Again, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll get back to the weekly routine here next week. So thank you again. And I'll speak to you all in exactly seven days. Peace.